whatever lifestyle you live is then going to either promote that predisposition to developing type 2 diabetes, or if you live a better lifestyle, you reduce that risk mm -hmm. of developing diabetes. So I'm all about teaching people what lifestyle things they can do to uh, prevent diabetes. All right. Welcome to part three of our four-part series on diabetes. This is Doctor in the House series with Dr. Riz. Welcome, Dr. Riz. Hi, thank you for having me back. Thank you for being here. So in this part, we've really, you know, if you guys have not listened to the other two episodes we already recorded, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of the gist. Part one of this series is really explaining what is diabetes, what exactly is insulin resistance, and what are the risk factors. We covered that in the first part. So I also now, Dr. Riz, have created a page on our on the healthylifestylesolutions.org website. People who want to access that, all of your episodes will have a, a link in the show notes for that. In the second part, we talked about managing diabetes, why it's important to have early detection can a patient be too far gone to make healthy lifestyle changes? We talked about dialysis and amputation prevention. So in this part, part three, we're actually going to make lifestyle recommendations. Before we do that, Dr. Riss, I'd like to talk a little bit about the cost of not only managing and living with type 2 diabetes, but I also would like to talk about the disparities in healthcare, uh, really people not having access to quality healthcare and access to education, it's become a very important topic for me, especially after we experienced a pandemic, that disease was more prevalent, especially COVID, in populations of people that have the least resources. Yeah. Yeah, healthcare is a very, very um, complex topic, and access to healthcare is as well. There's access issues related to, uh, you know, it's not just financial and, but it can be cultural as well. And uh, there's, I think, certain populations of people who don't trust doctors, so they don't go to doctors. There's others that go that say that, uh, you know, I, I don't have any medical issues, so there's no reason for me to see a doctor. Mm -hmm. they, so, and they don't understand the, the, uh, the importance of early detection. A lot of people don't see as going to the doctor as a solution to their problem. A lot of times I say, I, I didn't have a problem until I went to see the doctor. There are, without a doubt, disparities uh, in access to healthcare, and and it's and it's very it's a difficult problem and it's uh, multifactorial and we can talk about that. But one thing I will say is that uh, that that unfortunately, what we discuss a lot about is lifestyle medicine and prevention, and doctors are not typically trained in that. And so, uh, what I you know what I want is I want the patients and the people themselves to be empowered to take control of their own health. And so that's what we're hoping to do by having these talks and doing these podcasts and, and educating people. But, but it, you know, as a part of that is to work in conjunction with your healthcare provider mm -hmm. uh, to manage problems if yeah. they come up. I complain a lot about how insurance is restricted a person's ability to choose their doctor. Yeah. And that's why I just, I focus on a, you know, taking control of your own life. Yes. educating yourself and learning, and then just being very proactive. You you have to go out and be proactive about uh, working with healthcare providers who ha are similarly aligned to your belief set. Healthcare is expensive, and we we are probably one of the most expensive countries in the world for healthcare. So the best way to avoid that expense 
is to not get sick in the first place. Right. I first want to acknowledge that, that not everybody has resources uh, to have, you know, a, a caring physician who's well-trained in lifestyle medicine and nutrition to guide them, to handhold them, uh, to refer them to a res registered dietitian and all of that. So I want to acknowledge that. And then shout out to the American College of Lifestyle Medicine because they have created an institution that does that. Before the pandemic, we were at 3,000 members. We just hit 10,000 members in the month of, I think it was either March or April no, of 2023. Just very recently, yeah. Very recently. Why? And who are these people? Well, Health professionals, dietitians, nutritionists. And lay people as well. I mean, yeah. anybody can become a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And I think that's a testament to the growing awareness uh, of living a healthier lifestyle. And uh, people are seeking out these uh, societies um, or groups where they can join, and 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 then and then then now, now they have access to a wonderful resource. Yep. Yes. All right. So having said all that, uh, Doctor Riz, tell us about what we can do in terms of making lifestyle changes that could either help us manage and improve uh, insulin resistance if you're living with type two diabetes, or even prevent type two diabetes altogether. On an earlier episode, we alluded to the fact that different populations have different risks for developing type 2 diabetes. Uh, and uh, so there may be that genetic component, and I call that, again, uh, loading the gun. But the lifestyle is pulling the trigger. And, and uh, pulling the trigger, by, me, by, by that I mean it's whatever lifestyle you live is then going to either promote that predisposition to developing type 2 diabetes, or if you live a better lifestyle, you reduce that risk mm -hmm. of developing diabetes. So I, I'm all about teaching people what lifestyle things they can do uh, to uh, prevent diabetes. Uh, but also, you know, we also talked about um, uh, keeping an eye on yourself over time so that if you are developing it, it's best to catch it earlier because the earlier you can catch it, the more more likely it is that you can either arrest it in its tracks or even reverse it. Okay. And so, uh, again, it's these lifestyle factors that we want to focus on. Now, I'm not uh, averse to utilizing medications in adjunct, but I don't think the medication in and of itself is the only answer. Mm -hmm. It should be that we want to particularly focus on lifestyle measures and then add medications as needed. Yeah. Nutrition choices uh, and exercise are very important. And those are the things that I focus on 90 to 95% of the time. Now, I will say that there are other lifestyle things that are important as well, but you know we don't spend so much time on it. And that would be having to do with sleep and stress management. And in particular, those two things, and, I'll, and I'll, all I will say about those two things is that they have a tremendous effect, impact on our hormonal levels, and in particular, our cortisol. Mm. And our cortisol cycle is very important in managing uh, or in, 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 in glucose management and mm -hmm. insulin release. And so we release, uh, with, with stress, we release a whole lot of hormones that affect our sugar levels, uh, and our sleep levels, if they're altered, um, can mess with our cortisol levels. Mm -hmm. So by, by managing stress and sleep appropriately, we can contribute to better, uh, diabetes management. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, but, uh, but I think we can make, and those are important, but I think we can make the most significant impact with nutrition 
and then adding exercise along to yeah. it. And if we can I, discuss the details of that as we go along here. Okay, Dr. Riz, I started in, I think, our first episode, part one of diabetes, talking about the myth that I once believed that the problem, the root cause of type 2 diabetes is just eating too much sugar. Mm. Today, there's a whole group of people that are continue with this misinformation mm -hmm. and they blame it on starchy foods. They blame it on the plant-based diet. I mean, all this misinformation since you initially talked about what causes insulin resistance, which is the fat is impairing insulin function. Yeah. I, I find it interesting that when I do my little research and I go to say the American Heart Association's website on what to eat to reduce your risk for heart disease, they always say, you know, reduce your intake of saturated fat and trans fat and all of that. But then they never say, avoid meat. Where is saturated fat found? Saturated fat is found in meat. Okay. So when we talk about nutrition, we never advise people to make a significant overnight change. It doesn't, it's not sustainable and it's not realistic. You need time to figure out what are the foods to eat? What are the foods to start crowding out of your plate, how to do groceries, how to meal plan. I mean, there, it's very detailed. Um, so I first want to focus on what are the foods we should minimize and what are the foods we should start incorporating to improve our insulin resistance? What I usually say is if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. And uh, something as complex as what we eat uh, which is something that we've been doing since the day we were born. And there's so many things that impact how our choices are. If we don't make a concerted, organized effort on how to decide to eat and what to eat, uh, it's not going to work. So I believe in making small, uh, reasonable, achievable steps on a regular basis and continue to move forward. And, and not every day is going to be a great day, but as long as you keep moving forward steadily, you're going to get to your destination. Yeah. Those are words of encouragement. Thank you so much. Yeah. As we take that into consideration, what you said, what are the foods that we want to minimize eating? What are the foods we want to start bringing into our diet to improve our insulin resistance? So I, I would actually start by saying, what do we want? To, what is it that we want to uh, eat more of? And which is that we want to eat more whole food plants, uh, mm -hmm. plant-based products. Yep. We want to eat more uh, grains more legumes, more fruits, more vegetables. We're talking about foods and uh, foods in their natural uh, state. And what we want to avoid is uh, processed foods, sugary foods, foods with lots of salt and oil. Um, and we want to start to get away from animal products. And why is that? And, and that's because the foods I'm asking you to avoid are foods that are high in saturated fat, and cholesterol, which are known to contribute to these problems, especially saturated fat, which contributes to the development of type 2 diabetes, as opposed to the whole foods, which I talk about, which are high in complex carbohydrates, mm -hmm. uh, which are uh, managed more effectively by your body. Awesome. So I want to focus a little bit first on those problematic foods. We addressed them a little bit when we talked about heart disease and, and you know, Dr. Esselstyn's protocol of really moving the saturated fat and the trans fat and cholesterol out of your diet and, the, and, and eating those foods that are going to um, be good for your arteries. Mm -hmm. And so um, most of those, I mean, Plant-based foods don't have cholesterol that I know of. Correct. Um, and the saturated fat, it mainly comes from animal-based products. Mm -hmm. 
The trans fats are found in processed foods like cookies and chips and baked goods and all of that junk food that most of us crave. And there's a whole reason behind why we crave all that. I want to also add, because you and I are are supporters of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. We love that organization. They have the power plate, mm-hmm. which I really love. And there are many ways to look at what we should eat, many resources. But the power plate is an easy one. We don't have to make it complex. It's just that I look at a power plate, you just divide it into four. And there's four components to it. Uh, and those components are uh, fruits. That's one. Vegetables is another. Grains is another and legumes is another. And then, you know, I try to incorporate something of those into my diet on a regular basis. To me, it's not that complex. Yeah. Yeah. We are basically saying stay away from the foods that have the saturated fat, the trans fat, the cholesterol. Cheese is anywhere from 70 to 80% saturated fat. Oh my God. (laughs) You're just literally, it's like taking oil and eating it. Minimize those foods. Add more of the healthy stuff. Mm-hmm. Avoid the saturated fats and the trans fats. Okay. That's going to make your insulin sensitivity better so that you manage your sugars better. Mm-hmm. Please tell us, how does exercise physical activity help to regulate blood sugar levels? So exercise is really important in, uh, in affecting uh, blood glucose levels. The major organ in our body that needs glucose is our muscles. Okay. And so another way we can temporize or minimize those glucose spikes and therefore those insulin spikes mm-hmm. uh, is by exercising. And so uh, some simple, moderate exercise after meals can help lower your blood sugar and therefore lower your insulin levels. And so I'm not talking about anything big time. We're talking about 15 or 20 minutes of moderate exercise, like a nice brisk walk. Uh, which, you know, is it's not uncommon in many societies for somebody to eat dinner and then say, I'm going to go out and take a walk. Mm-hmm. And there, there, you know, they, there's there's some benefit to that. So, you know, if you get a if you get an hour for lunch, eat your lunch and then go take a 15 minute walk. And that's mm-hmm. going to do, go a long ways to helping mitigate your your insulin levels. So because what you're doing is you're stimulating those muscles and then those muscles want the glucose because they need that glucose for energy. Uh, And so the glucose goes into the cells uh, and lowers your blood glucose levels. Wow, that's wonderful. I I mean, this is just so much information. Dr. Riz, next week, we're going to just kind of bring it all together and add more resources that we were not able to necessarily cover in this episode. But this is a big topic. Do you have any final words as we're wrapping up this episode? What I'm getting at here is for all stages of life, healthy approach to lifestyle is going to be the best way to either prevent you from getting it or managing it once you have it. Yeah, yeah. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about this because, again, we see that 50 to 70 percent of your patients are living with type 2 diabetes. And if we can help people to reduce those risks and not become a patient of yours, that would be awesome. Um, Follow Dr. Riz on Instagram. He's got a lot of great content and also on Facebook. But um, on Instagram, you are at Dr. Dr. Underscore R-I-Z, Riz underscore Bukhari, B-U-K-H-A-R-I. You have a lot of informational videos um, on various health topics. And now you're even covering research that comes out. So I think all of you will benefit from that. And also make sure I'll put a link again if you want to join Dr. Riz's newsletter. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. And also, if you want to drop us a voicemail, 
and tell us how what these episodes are doing for you, how they're benefiting you, or if you have any question that you would like us to address, go to speakpipe.com forward slash HLS. And we will see you next Monday for another episode of Doctor in the House. All right. Thank you very much. Take care. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave an honest review as well at ratethispodcast.com forward slash HLS. This helps us to spread our message. And as always, thank you for being a listener.